Apocalypse Rock. Chapter 19. Replacement Cop. Remember, kiddos, I'm going to pick you up after the parent-teacher meeting, okay? Doug was leaning out his car window. Dora and Irene stood in front of the schoolyard, backpacks on. Yes, Daddy, Dora replied. Irene blew a raspberry at Doug and giggled. Well, thank you very much, Irene, Doug replied to the little toot. After I pick you up later, we're going to go for a short visit to a friend's place on Mount Costo. Yay! Dora flailed out some jumping jacks. Irene tossed her arms around and blew another, longer, raspberry. I know it's not the funnest thing to do on a Friday, but it'll be quick, and you can watch TV on my phone while I finish the job, okay? Doug pulled his car out of the school parking lot and onto the main road. Clouds had rolled back in overnight, but it didn't feel like rain today. The air was still mild with a slight sharpness hinting at an incoming winter. Just check compound. No July, no Sweetland. What the fuck? Bear had messaged him. Doug had agreed to check in again on his way to work. He spread out the fingers of his right hand and then contracted them back into a fist. His hand still ached. It was even worse this morning. He switched the radio on. Cloudy all day with a 10% chance of rain. The spirits of the Sailor Sea are high today and they want to keep us high too. High, dry, and mighty. The DJ monologued. You're listening to 107.7 The End, digital first until the brutal last. I'm DJ Bacon, Mr. DJ Bacon, your friendly local avatar. The next song was requested by self-described regular listener, first-time caller, Bad Sleep. Doug blinked his eyes and yawned. Hope you get some rest soon, okay, buddy? The DJ continued. But I'm not sure this tune's going to help you nod off, buddy. It's a blast from the past, a real rare gem, as reinterpreted by the Icelandic orchestral synth-pop virtuoso known as Kavin. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Kev. It's an icy, sometimes dicey, Nordic take on Billy the Piano Man Joel's classic, We Didn't Start the Fire. Doug chuckled to himself. He hadn't heard that since he was a small kid. It might be the first pop tune he'd ever heard. He turned it up. A hoarse, floating voice sang over a flickering, raw guitar riff. I saw a sign in the sky. I have come to set you free. A light, shining brighter, shining down, down on me. I saw fire, fire and brimstone, coming down on my head. It wasn't the same song at all. Doug switched the radio off. His car crept in silence beneath the high trees, the road unraveling before him. Doug pulled into the police compound. Sweetland's truck wasn't there. Parked in its place was a Terminal City Police Department cruiser. Doug got out and slammed his door shut, its metal clanging loudly. He went into the compound's reception. It was empty, but sitting on the front desk was that morning's issue of the Terminal Caller newspaper. It was closed and still neatly folded, as yet unread. Next to it was a steaming cup of coffee. Under the coffee cup was a light blue folder with red letters across the front. It was upside down, but Doug could read the word confidential on it. He had to squint a bit, but the small print title said, 
Operation Endless Wellness, Substance Dispersion via Leak Point Watershed, a manual and timeline. There was a cough somewhere. Doug looked around, but nothing. He turned back to the desk. Above it was a larger notice board, covered in dozens of blurry images of dogs in the forest, just like the photograph Sweetland had shown at the previous night's meeting. Doug thought he heard a door shut somewhere further inside the compound. Hello? Doug called out. Is there anyone here? He heard a slamming sound. Footsteps. And then the inner door to the reception opened. Standing in the doorframe was a medium-built, wiry, but strong-looking man, arms and legs slightly akimbo, like a human-sized action figure. Dressed in a Terminal City police officer's uniform, he had a dark, well-kept beard and a blue turban on his head. Good morning, sir. How can I help? He asked crisply. Oh, hi. Good morning, Doug replied. I was looking for Constable Sweetland. Is he off today? Constable Sweetland is in Terminal City, the policeman said. I'm Officer Singh, and I'm going to be covering until he returns. Can I help you? I'm Doug Shasta. Uh, Constable Sweetland arrested a friend of mine last night, and I want to see how she is. As Doug spoke, Officer Singh strode over to the desk. He picked up the coffee cup, and as he took a sip, he slid the blue folder into the desk drawer. Another friend of mine tried to check in last night to see how she was doing, Doug continued. But no one was here. We both tried calling her and checking if she's back at home, but no luck. Singh looked Doug up and down, then squinted at the odd stain on Doug's head left from Dr. Hubble's secret sauce. Singh opened up the logbook on the desk and skimmed through it. Well, the constable called in last night saying he'd be leaving Sternum, and a replacement was necessary as soon as possible. But there's no mention of any arrest yesterday. And there's no one in the holding cell. Are you sure your friend was taken into custody? Certain, replied Doug. Her name is July Straightmore. She lives in the cabin on Orchard Lane in the village. She was arrested about 5.30 yesterday evening. I saw Sweetland put her in the back of the police truck myself. She was handcuffed. I saw it right up close, and then I saw him drive off with her. Officer Singh looked confused. Do you know why he arrested her? I didn't see what exactly happened, explained Doug. But from what Constable Sweetland said, it was because July had stopped him from catching her dog. He thought it had rabies. Officer Singh's look of confusion deepened. And he arrested her for that? Well, they were both bleeding from some kind of wounds, replied Doug. So maybe that's got something to do with it, but I don't know. Hmm. Well, the quickest way to clear this up is to call HQ. Singh shrugged. He picked up the phone and dialed. As Singh spoke with the police department and terminal, Doug scanned the dog images on the notice board. In the bottom right-hand corner of each picture, there were notes written in the same tidy hand, presumably Sweetland's, marking the location of each sighting, describing the temperaments of the dogs, from disinterested to hungry or aggressive, and so on. At the end of each description, Sweetland had written, Coal urgency, followed by a ranking out of ten, none of which fell below nine. Mr. Shasta, Singh hung up the phone, can you tell me, did anyone else see the arrest happen, besides yourself? 
Maybe. Well, no, I don't think so, Doug flustered. I don't know. It happened right outside the town hall, but everyone was inside except me. The reason I ask is that Constable Sweetland has yet to check in at Terminal City. Nor do they have any record of a custodial arrest occurring on Sternum Island, let alone any other arrest. Or indeed any report about anything at all. In fact, there hasn't been a single report for several months now. Sweetland was also supposed to follow up on the possible attack that happened to me. Singh squinted at Doug. You were attacked? Well, we don't know for sure, Doug replied. I think I caught someone in the middle of a break and enter at my office. The door and window were open when I arrived. Then I heard a crash inside. Then I looked at my office and had been ransacked. Then everything went black. Sweetland thinks that someone knocked me out. Doug motioned to the discolored patch on his head. That's where I got this. Singh raised his eyebrow, then looked at Doug's bandaged hand. And that? That's different. Ramsey's bit me. Who? Miss Straightmore's dog, Ramsey's. He bit me. It's not serious, just a little nip. Right. Anyway, that possible break and entry and assault? It hasn't been logged or reported either, Singh replied, shaking his head. Honestly, sir, I'm a bit confused. You can definitely confirm that break-in with other people, replied Doug. Sweetland gave a report about it at the town hall last night, right before he arrested July. There were like 300 people there. Singh looked hard at Doug. And you were the only one out of all of those folks who decided to leave that meeting. I had to leave early to get my kids, replied Doug. Their mother had to catch playing to Vancouver for work. Your kids, Singh followed, nodding. How many? He opened a small notepad and started scribbling in it with a tiny pen. Two daughters, six and four, Doug replied. You and their mother... You live together? No, we split up a few years ago, said Doug. When's she returning? Singh asked. Sunday, Doug replied. Singh finished writing and closed the notepad. As I said, Mr. Shasta, I only know what I've been told and what I see. I was not told of any arrest. There's no one in the holding cells here, and nothing is noted in the logbook or at HQ. Similarly, with your own experience of a break-in, an assault, there's no record. Doug's phone vibrated, but he ignored it. But how can I find my friend? He asked. Go check her place and keep trying to call her, replied Singh. In the meantime, I'll log our conversation with HQ. I imagine we'll hear from Sweetland soon when he checks into Terminal City. We'll clear all of this up. Sound good? Yeah, okay, Doug replied. His head had started pounding again. As Doug walked back to his car, he checked his phone. It was a message from Bear. Come to July's. Now.
Apocalypse Rock is written and read by me, Nate Budzinski. For more, go to apocalypserock.xyz. Thanks for listening.